Let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is actually a different message than I preached in the earlier service. I just feel Lord pressing upon my heart. Acts chapter 2. I think I'm going to read some scripture and then share a testimony and then expound on this a little bit this morning. And I just feel like it's important. I'm not sure why, uh, but the Lord is just burning my heart. And I, I want you to hear. You know, the Bible says, well, you're finding your spot there. Acts chapter 2 will be near the end of the chapter. It's about the day of Pentecost. The Lord said, and I am paraphrasing, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow and straight is the way that leadeth to a life eternal, and few there be that find it. The Lord Jesus Christ understood that mankind would broaden the way. That doesn't mean they would find their way to heaven, but they would find a way that would seem right unto man. And so they would take that narrow way that Jesus Christ set for us, Jesus meaning I am the way, the truth, and the life, and they would try to make it palatable. They'd make it wider. They'd make it simpler for somebody to go to heaven. It's easier to fill a church building and a few fill the pews if you're not preaching the truth and if you can broaden the way and make it acceptable and give the church redeeming properties. Just come to church and if you're in the faith and if you're in the church, you will find your home in heaven. We know that are saved here today that that's a lie from the pits of hell. We understand that we come to church because we have a desire to learn more about the Bible and we have a desire to worship a holy God. That's why we are here. We understand furthermore that we gather together because we need one another. If, if in fact the way is narrow and there's few that find it, those few better gather and support one another and encourage one another and love one another and pray for one another. And if you just did a study in the Bible on the words one another, you would find there's so many things that God wants us to do. And so we look at the word of God today and we think about that narrow way. And I want to I ask you the question before I ever read the scripture, are you on that narrow way? Do you know that salvation was a decision you made in a moment of time. There may have been a long process before you accepted Christ. You may have come to church for a while. You might have been part of a Bible study. You might have read a lot of gospel literature. You might have read your Bible. You might have heard thousands of sermons, but there was a point in time where you repented of your sins and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You might have even been growing somewhat in, in grace in the sense that you were becoming a better person. But salvation was a transaction that took place in your life. It was a moment in time. And I don't mean to say necessarily that you can look back in the past and say, well, on May the 5th of 1998, I, I accepted Christ. I cannot remember the date. I was five years old. And so I do not, didn't know much about calendars at that time, I suppose. I, I don't even know if at, at that age I could tell you when my birthday was. But I remember the moment. I remember the time where I 
I was in a Sunday school class in the basement of Maple Street, Bethel Baptist Church at the corner of Maple and Head Street, down in the basement. How many of you remember, not very many left that would remember, but the classroom that had the three little classrooms at the back, just the little, there's three doors and you could go in and have like a, a Bible time with your teacher and, and do your worksheets and stuff. And it was just wide enough for a table and to put some little kids around that table, one very big. And I remember sitting in that classroom with Mrs. Dutton and she led me to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you more about that testimony in a moment. But I, I just want, I want you to be thinking with me today, do I remember the moment I got saved? I'm not saying you necessarily remember the date or the time of day even. I understand that sometimes those things get lost on us and we don't always remember dates as well as other people do. But do you remember a time? I'll tell you this, fellas. You only have to forget your wife's anniversary one time to remember it the rest of your life. Am I telling the truth? Anybody here done that? You're better to be early than late. I see Miss Havlin over here looking at her husband. Isn't your relationship with Jesus Christ even more important than your marriage? Because if your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't right, your marriage isn't going to be that good anyway. Am I telling you the truth? And so it's important that we remember that time we entered into that relationship. And you need to remember the circumstances around that time. And what I mean by that is, did I repent? You say, what do you mean repent? So many will say, well, you got to repent of your sins. I'm not even sure when the Bible says repent if that's what it means. And the reason I say that is because when I was five years old, I didn't even know what the sins were I had to repent of. I wasn't even sure what some things were were sinful yet. But I knew this, I had to repent of everything else I believed in and trust only in Jesus. I knew as a five-year-old little boy, I couldn't be trusted. The church wasn't going to get me to heaven. Baptism wasn't going to get me to heaven. Any other thing, just being a good boy, wasn't going to get me to heaven. I had to repent of all those ideas and all those thoughts and turn only and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you remember doing that? Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. You see, why are you preaching this, Pastor? We're a saved crowd, are you? Are you? I'm not here to question your salvation. I'm not here to make you doubt. But listen, if I can make you doubt, Satan's going to have a heyday with you. Because he is far more clever than I am. And he will tear your heart to pieces, making you doubt. Just a couple weeks ago, I had a fellow in my office with his family. And he grew up in a church that was hyper-Calvinist. Now, I understand there's some that believe in Calvinism and believe in the sovereignty of God that are still soul winners, and they believe in missions, and they believe in telling people about Christ. They believe in making personal decisions for Christ. I, I understand that. But he says, not us. He says, when we were hyper-Calvinist, he says, I mean, listen, he said, when I say hyper-Calvinist, he says, I wandered around for 30 years wondering, am I going to heaven or not? And he says, I'd go to my pastor and I'd say, uh, I need to know, I need to know for sure that I'm a child of God. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. And the pastor literally would say to him, we don't talk about that. That's God's business and we don't mess with it. We never tell people about being saved. We never try to share the gospel. 
because you're messing with God's business and he is completely 100% sovereign in that area. No hope. Until his wife got cancer. And then it really came to the forefront. They began to beg God and to plead with God. Well, the interesting thing was his wife started listening online to a fellow by the name of Paul Washer, Southern Baptist preacher, but straight on salvation, right down the line. And she accepted Christ. He says, it was a little bit harder for me. He says, for all my life, it had been bred in me. That's God's business. We can't know for sure. We'll never know for sure until we stand before God. And he says, you're part of the elect and you're not. And you're going to heaven and you're going to hell. For, it doesn't matter that you loved me. It doesn't matter that you, that you prayed. It doesn't matter that, that, you, that you put your faith in me because you're not part of the elect. He said, I just never had any security or assurance. And so he says, I, he says, I walked into a Baptist church where I work in the area that I work. And he says, there was, I couldn't find anybody. The door was open and I yelled and nobody came. And, but there was gospel tracts at the door and it said, please take one. So I picked it up and I read it and I thought, yes, that's what I believe too. I believe I need to be saved. And he says, so I sat in my car and he says, I read the sinner's prayer. And I sat there feeling like, okay, something's going to happen. He says, nothing happened. I must have done it wrong. So he says, well, I must have done it wrong. So this Sunday when I'm going to church, I'll put my suit and tie on and I'll go to the church and I'll read it inside the church building. That'll do it. I'm not lying. This is what he was thinking. So he says, I did the same thing and nothing happened. Nothing happened. I read that sinner's prayer and nothing happened. So he said, I did what my wife did. I began to listen to the preaching of this Baptist preacher. And he says, something gripped my heart. And he says, that night I bowed my head and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I repented of all else and I asked him to save me and him alone. And I said, did you notice a difference that time? And his wife said, oh man. She says, a peace came over our family. He was always a good man, a good husband, a good father. But she says, the moment Jesus saved me, she says, that tug of war stopped. And that fighting within went away. He finally had the peace of knowing Jesus Christ. Have you had that kind of experience? Salvation is not something we just kind of grow into. I've known people that have been in church for years and years and years, and you say, well, when did you accept Christ? Well, I've just always been saved. I've kind of always gone to church and just kind of grew into No, 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 no. You, you, can, you can become a better person. I mean, I, I suppose, I don't know, but I suppose you could watch Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil or somebody and become a better person in some ways. But when the transforming Holy Spirit comes into your life, he changes you forever. And he makes you not better, he makes you a new creature in Christ. And that's the kind of experience I'm talking about. An experience like happened on the day of Pentecost. And so look there with me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Peter has been preaching on this day. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came in the beginning of the chapter to empower the church. It filled them. You see, what is the difference? They were already indwelt. 
You say, how, how do you know that? Because in John chapter uh, 20, and verse 20, I believe it is, it says, Jesus breathed on them and, they, and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus had already given his apostles the Holy Ghost, but now it fell upon the church as a whole. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that it filled each one of them where they were sitting. This is the filling of the Holy Spirit, and it's the empowerment of the church. And Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, got up and he began to speak. And the Bible says they, it spilled out into the streets, and a, a crowd drew as they spoke in tongues, and the power of God was manifest in their lives. And in verse 37, as he's talking about uh, David and, and all these other things, and he comes to Jesus Christ... And how they witnessed him being raised from the dead. The Bible says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. By the way, I'm glad I'm part of the afar off there. I'm not, I'm not them and I'm not their children, but down the road somewhere, a little boy needed Jesus Christ. Verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need." And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Heavenly Father, we need a touch from God today. Lord, you've burdened my heart in such a way that I, I have to believe that it's for a purpose. There must be some here today that just don't know that moment. They can't look back and say, here was the day that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. There's something missing in their lives. They have grown in church. They've been here long enough to know the, the words to say. They're even blessed and encouraged by the fellowship. Satan is a great deceiver. And he'll allow us to become comfortable in church if we never cry out to Jesus. But maybe there's a couple here today that would examine their hearts and lives and say, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've never nailed it down. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. But Lord, that will not happen unless you get involved. Unless the Holy Spirit of God speaks to hearts. Nothing I say up here, it would just be a bunch of feeble efforts and flesh if the Spirit of God doesn't take the word and speak to our hearts with it. So, Lord, I surrender to you, and I pray that each one in this room right now would surrender 100% to whatever God wants to say to their hearts. Lord, if it encourages them, if they come away at the end of the day saying, you know what, I, I'm so sure of my salvation, praise God for the Holy Spirit's bearing witness in our lives. 
But Lord, if there's some here that would honestly have a look and the Spirit of God says, you need to take that step of faith. We pray that today they might be saved. Help us, Lord, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share you a bit of a testimony of our family. And as it's kind of like a fishing story, the, the fish always grows. <laughs> so some of the legend here grows a little bit too. And I'm just piecing together what happened 50 years ago, and I don't know all the details, but from the best of my ability, I'll share with you what I know to be true anyway. Back in the late 60s, 68 or 69, I, I believe, just shortly after my parents were married, uh, my dad purchased the gas station out in Renton. It's Bradshaw's now, but I don't know what it was called then. It was a little gas station with a garage beside it. It never doesn't look like it does now. It was probably torn down and rebuilt three times since then. But it had just a little variety store, and mom would sell gum and different things like that, drinks. And, and dad would, with the little garage, he didn't do much. He changed windshield wipers to do an oil change and just little things like that. He wasn't really a licensed mechanic, but he would, he would just do windshield wipers, you know, change a light bulb here and there. Back in those days, bulbs burnt all the time, right? And so he'd do little things like that, and then he'd pump your gas. It was a full-serve station. While he was... Pumping the gas there, one of his customers was Mr. Tyrrell, Bob Tyrrell. Of course, they all were from the Renton area, the Tyrrells, and lived just a couple doors down. So he would get his gas from my parents, and, and he'd start witnessing to them, inviting them to church. Mom was raised Anglican, St. John's Anglican Church out the corner of St. John's Road. And matter of fact, I was baptized as a baby there. My dad grew up right beside Bethel Baptist Church downtown on Maple Street. And I remember seeing pictures when the church had promotions and things of my dad going to church with his older sister, Aunt Georgina, and his twin brother, Larry. I saw a picture of them going to church. And so he would go once in a while, but not anything faithful. I found a little button. There was a box of buttons from my grandma's house when she died. And there was a little button that said, I rode the bus to Bethel from about 1955 or something. And I said to my dad, I said, was that yours? And he says, yeah, it was mine or Uncle Larry's. I said, why would you ride the bus to Bethel? I said, you lived right next door. He said, oh, I stole it from some kid. He says, I had to have one too. And that sounds like my dad if you knew him. And so anyway, they wouldn't go to church, wasn't interested in church. Mom had just been washed with religion and dad never really cared to go. But the Tyrrell said, Bethel Baptist, we go bowling once in a while. We have these bowling activities. Would you be interested in going bowling? And they said, sure. And so they did, and they went to the White Horse Lanes. And I, I don't know how long they did that for. It seems like for several years, because it wasn't until about 1975 or 76 that my parents actually went to church. Think about that. From 1968, 69, to 1975 or 76, six or seven years, the Tyrrells faithfully witnessed to my parents. Kept inviting them to church. When that didn't work, they'd invite them to activities and just get them around God's people. Here's where the legend part comes in. The story is told that on the one night, they just kind of, it was just fun, right? There was no real league or anything like that. They just had fun. And they drew names 
I guess that night, say, well, let's just, let's just mix it up and draw names. And whoever's name you get, that'll be your partner for the night. And you'll play against other people. And my dad apparently got Joan Tyrrell. And Bob got my mom. And my dad was not going to lose to my mom. And they were all playing each other on this lane. And it came down right to the end. And Joan Tyrrell would need to get three strikes if they were going to win. Joan had never bowled three strikes in her life, let alone in a row. And she said to my dad, if I get three strikes, you're coming to church tomorrow. He said, if you get three strikes, I'll bring my whole family. Guess what the Holy Spirit did that night? (laughs) He showed up in a bowling alley. And somehow they won the game. And the next day, my parents went to church. I guess I was there too, and my brother, and he would have been in the nursery, and I would have been about four years old. The second week, they went back. And my mom told me, she says, all I remember from that second Sunday was leaning over to Joan in church saying, this is completely different than anything I've ever heard. They actually open a Bible. I've been to a funeral at the Anglican Church, and I came back, and I'm not here to put anybody down, but I remember thinking, why did I spend all the money on Bible college? All I had to do was buy one book, and you could just read from that no matter what service you wanted. It had funeral for a young boy, funeral for a young girl, funeral for an older, and you could just read it. And that's what the priest did at this funeral I went to. And mom was shocked to hear preaching from the Bible from Dr. Strachan. Well, it wasn't long after that, within just a week or two, they accepted Christ and were baptized. It wasn't long after that, back in those days, they would say, win them, wet them, and work them. And so dad was in the bus ministry within just weeks, helping out at the Elgin School. How many of you remember Elgin School when they had to rent property down there to put the kids in? And So they... Dad was helping out down there, and Mom was helping in teens and in the Sunday school and just getting busy. And I don't remember, I, don't, I just don't remember not being in church at Bethel Baptist Church. Dad would start bringing home literature from the bus ministry. They have gospel tracts that were made just for kids. And I remember sitting, and he had this leather recliner chair, and I remember sitting up on the arm and him reading that to me and sharing it with me. But I never got saved. Until that day in Sunday school. I don't know what it was. I can't remember the lesson. I can't remember what verses were used. I was five years old. But I do remember thinking, if I die today, if something terrible happens, going to church isn't good enough. I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I didn't even understand maybe what all that meant. Obviously, we grow in grace. But I knew at that moment that Jesus died on a cross, and he alone can save me from my sins. And Miss Dutton was able to lead me to the Lord right there in that Sunday school class. I remember, there's very little I remember about that that basement of that old church. But I remember that little back room. And I remember the moment that I asked Jesus to save me. And I'll admit that over the years, a lot of my friends would doubt. And, and, but for some reason, I never, ever lost that moment. 
Let me ask you, do you have a testimony? Can you share with me right now the moment you accepted Christ as Savior? I don't mean to say there's a date and time necessarily that you can go back to a calendar and, and point your finger at. If maybe if you're an adult, you could, you could do that. But do you remember that, that moment, that time? I know men, sometimes we forget, like I said, our wedding anniversary or whatever, but we remember getting married. We remember that. I, I remember a lot. Both the day I got married, it was 104 degrees the day I got married. And I was wearing a tuxedo. You see me sweating up here in air conditioning. Wearing a tuxedo in West Texas in 104 degrees. I remember that. I remember Faith Baptist Church on West 66th Street. I remember Pastor Glenn Border and Mike Dorman. I remember so many details about that wedding. I remember mom had to make 200 butter tarts and ship them down on dry ice for the wedding because Ida loved them so much and found out that nobody down there knew what they were and nobody ate them. We had to ship them all home again. My dad loved it. We remember so much about other things. Let me ask you, do you remember that day you got saved? Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. Remember, keep this in your mind, narrow, narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal and few there be that find it. Notice what he says in Acts chapter 2 in verse 40. Peter is preaching and he says, with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. There are a couple verses in the Bible that provoke my thinking a little bit to say, I, I wish the Bible were bigger. The last verse in the book of John where it talks about all the things that Jesus did that, that I suppose all the books in the world cannot contain at all. I wish they could. I wish they could tell us more about the miracles and things that Jesus did. He gave us just enough that we might know him. But this is another verse where Peter says many other words. I wish we could see the whole sermon. I wish I knew everything he said, but I, I believe and I understand in my heart that it was a Holy Ghost-filled sermon to the point that it pointed people to Jesus Christ and their need of a Savior, that they were sinners and lost and on their way to hell. And he said, why is that? Because the Bible says in verse 41, many were pricked in their hearts and they repented of everything else and they trusted only in Jesus Christ. The end result was such that we know that it was a gospel message. And the Bible says in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Notice that first phrase, they that gladly received his word. Have you done that? Understand in order to be saved, we may not understand all the doctrines of the Bible. You, 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 can, you can be saved today without understanding what Genesis chapter 3 says or Genesis chapter 50 says uh, of Joseph and his family. You can, you can understand the Bible without knowing about the Exodus and different things that happened in the Bible. You may never have heard of David and Goliath and you can be saved today. But listen, friends, what you do know of the Bible, we have to agree with. And when somebody says, the wages of sin is death, we have to say, yes, that's me. I think of basketball. He said, what are you talking about, basketball? Have you ever seen a basketball game where the whistle blows and somebody will put their hand up? Have you ever noticed that? They're acknowledging that they did the foul. That's what they're doing. Sometimes they don't like it. Sometimes they disagree, and so they'll just kind of storm off mad. 
But somebody will slap at the ball and they'll take the guy's arm and, and the referee will blow his whistle and the player will go. It's, it's a certain humility, a code that goes with the basketball. You see it more in college than you do in the professional ranks. They're saying, that's me. I made the foul. For the wages of sin is death. That's me. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's me. That's me. I'm the one that made the foul. I'm the one that has to accept the word of God. I'm the one that realizes the penalty of sin and death and hell. That's all levied towards me. But the Bible says, they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There was a moment in time that they trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the Bible says from there they begin to grow. In verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. An amazing transformation took place. Thousands were saved in one day. Why? Because the Spirit of God pricked some hearts and said, you need to be saved, but they received it. Today's religion, we receive very little anymore because we have our own ideas. Remember what I said in the beginning? We've taken that narrow road and we've made it very broad. We've added more lanes to that highway than we can count. We've put ditches on either side that entire vehicles could drive up and down in because we want to make it so easy and so palatable. Salvation is a bloody religion. It is understanding that our sin caused death and we have to receive that from the Lord and believe it in our hearts and then call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, oh, I've just, I've grown into it over the years. When did you call on the Lord? Oh, I've just, I've just always been saved. I've always gone to... No, no, no. When did you call upon the Lord? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When did you gladly receive his word? Well, I do that every week. When, no, no, no. We're talking about the gospel message here. We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. When was that time? Can you testify? Can you tell me when you got saved? Ultimately, this is something between you and the Father, between you and God. Absolutely. But here's what the Bible says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be ashamed if you know Jesus. I'm not going to point fingers this morning and say, hey, tell me when you got, tell me, tell me, tell me when you got saved. But if I pointed at you right now, could you stand and say, I remember when Jesus saved me. I remember that moment when I trusted Christ. My wife, as a little girl, started going to Faith Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. And for years, thought she was saved. Went to Sunday school, went to church, worked in ministry, 
married a pastor, served in the local church, and doubted and doubted and doubted. And one Sunday morning before church, she came to me and she says, I need to be saved. She says, I just can't, I can't fake it any longer. I can't doubt anymore. She says, I don't remember. I don't remember a time where I actually repented of my sins and asked Jesus to save me. I don't remember that. I remember going to church and I remember being faithful and I remember reading a Bible and I remember going to Sunday school and I remember being baptized, but I don't remember trusting Christ. She accepted Christ that day and was baptized that night. Are you sure? Do you know? Let me, let me put it a different way. You say, I know Jesus. Does he know you? One of the greatest tragedies is to stand before the Lord and say, but I, but I prophesied in your name. Wow, we don't have, okay. I taught in your name. I taught Sunday school. I cast out demons. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. It's about having a relationship. Do you know him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and stand to our feet this morning. One of the greatest fears that I have in ministry is to stand before God and have somebody say, but you never told me. I suppose a doctor would fear killing a patient. The wrong diagnosis that leads to their death. Wrong prescription of treatment that ultimately kills somebody. For the believer, our biggest fear is standing before God, not having told our family or our friends, our loved ones. I, I read this quote. A teacher in Bible college gave it to us, and I wrote it in my Bible years ago. Educators graduate their mistakes. Doctors bury theirs. We send ours to hell. It's a sobering thought. I don't want anybody in this room to go to hell. I, I, want, I want you to know this today. Knowing Christ is your Savior doesn't just save you from a bunch of negative things. It saves you from your sins. It saves you from hell. Boy, it's wonderful. But there's a lot of wonderful, positive things in knowing Christ. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You have a heavenly home, a mansion, streets of gold. But better than all that, you have Jesus. You can have a personal relationship with the God of this world by having salvation through Jesus Christ. Would there be one here today with nobody looking around? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I won't call you out. That would say, Pastor, I don't remember the day. I don't remember a time where I repented of everything else and trusted only in Jesus Christ. If I were to give a testimony right now, I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm just not 100% sure I've, I've done this the Bible way. I've always gone to church. I've always been faithful. I've always sang the songs. I've read my Bible. 
but I, I just want to be sure that I'm doing this the Bible way. I've trusted Jesus. Is there one who would slip up your hand and let me pray for you? I promise I won't embarrass you. I promise you. Amen. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? Right now, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, would you be willing to come and meet me? Just the one that raised their hand or anybody else. We'd be happy to have a man with a man, a lady with a lady, and show you what the Bible says. And you can accept Christ right today. You can be sure you're saved by putting your faith in Jesus. If you slipped up your hand, just come right now. Let me help you. Let us pray with you. Maybe there's others. Pastor, I gotta be sure. I gotta be sure. Today will be my day of salvation. July the 4th, 2021, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this one that raised their hand today. And I pray they wouldn't leave this room before they talk to somebody. Be absolutely sure that they know Christ. Father, I do pray that you would bless those that are here and that have heard the word. And Lord, I often feel like it's such a feeble attempt. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit would take these feeble efforts and work them into our hearts. And in the very least, the seed would be planted and begin to grow. Lord, help us to be sure of our salvation. I'm thankful, Lord, for the 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. What a blessing it is to know. And for those that are saved here today, they, they will pillow their head tonight in peace, knowing that if they not wake up in the morning, they'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ. What a blessed assurance. God, I pray that, again, that you would speak to hearts and move in this place. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. Tonight, we will gather to remember the sacrifice of Calvary around the Lord's table. May we each prepare our hearts. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.